This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Activators. An activator by definition is a substance used to induce or accelerate a reaction. You, my listeners, are the activators that are needed to shape things up in education in the realm of building and maintaining highly effective and successful teams in our schools. Welcome to the Squad Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerard Phillips Sr. Thank you all for joining us on this episode. I have a very special guest in the building, and y'all can hear from me anytime, but I want to get Dr. Diggs up. So, Dr. Diggs, tell our activators out there a little bit about yourself. The floor is yours. Take all the time you need, my brother. Oh, man. Thank you so much. First, I just want to you know give roses, give the flowers uh, to you, uh, Brother Phillips, for all of your work. And also uh, having the ability to create this particular space, right? I think very often we are very remiss to understand the power of creating environments for conversation, the power of uh, uplifting the the voice of others, right? And I just want to say, you know, thank you to, to you and your team for being profound in this space of education to, to continue to uplift others, but also create a platform for us to have great conversations. So just a little bit about me. My name is Daryl Diggs. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, by way of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, this is my 16th year in education, and I've had many hats um, through through my time. I started out actually really not knowing what I was going to get into uh, when I graduated high school. Uh, when I graduated high school, truth be told, Dr. Phillips, I switched up my major at least four to five times. And in the middle of that, I was working a, a side hustle. I was pushing carts at Walmart. And then I was doing some other things, just trying to make ends meet, but more importantly, just trying to find myself. And so in the midst of finding myself and finding my voice, I jumped into education. Um, I have two phenomenal role models that guided me in that direction. My mother has been profound in this work, as well as my father, you know, being a visionary and always and always giving me the the, the knowledge, the keys to how to approach and to, uh, to look at life, right? So so shout out to, to my mom and dad, they've been phenomenal. And so having said that, I started out as a middle school science teacher. I taught seventh grade and sixth grade science. Um, from there, I was able to branch out into administration at the high school level. So I was a high school assistant principal for eight years. And then from there, um, I, I took a step in, into, some may call it the dark side, right? I, I became a building principal and what was amazing uh, for me about that experience is that I have a story that is like no one else's because number one, I started uh, my leadership, my principalship, and number one, a new environment. Number two, it was restarting the school after it was shut down from COVID. So, so COVID 2020, the school shut down March 
And then I had to restart it that August. And then on top of that, like I was able to really just understand the meat and potatoes of like, hey, what is most important when it comes to educating our young people, bringing adults together, and then also navigating fear, right? Like a lot of times we operate in the unknown and the unknown brings fear, which is like another level of anxiety for the body. And so from there, I was just able just to navigate and understand. I was able to reach deeper into myself when it comes to leadership. A lot of things I learned, some things I would probably do differently, you know, now that I'm a little bit wiser. And so now I am a director of equity for the special school district of St. Louis County. And in that work, I work on the teaching and learning side of equity. So I run out and I work deeply with uh, buildings and their equity teams. I also work with teachers and their staff in regards to just like some really hard topics, right? Some people struggle to talk about race. Some people have a hard time understanding what equity really means or and how that's different from equality. Um, I also work deeply with, hey, what can we do differently when it comes to the hiring process, right? How can we be more equitable, not only for our greatest asset, which are students, but also for our teachers and staff, right? For, for the workplace, you know, how can we be better stewards of their energy and get each person exactly what they need to be successful. So that's a long-winded you know, answer. I apologize, Dr. Phillips, but that's just a little bit about me. Like I started out, you know, some say, um, hey, you started from the bottom, now we're here, right? But to be, to be more succinct with this answer, having these experiences allowed me to cut my teeth into what I'm doing now. So right now I've been able to uh, author a couple books, I've been able to create a journal. Um, I'm a co-founder for some other endeavors. And, you know, all of these pieces had just been a byproduct of me being able to allow myself to be poured into so that I could then pour into somebody else. So I just want to say thank you again, Dr. Phillips. Uh, Long-winded answer, man. But once you get me talking, you know, I just get excited. No, you're good. Keep, keep right at it. Like, um, before we jump into question two, it's a couple things you you said that I really, really want to hit on. And one was when you talked about your mother and your father, father giving you the knowledge and the keys on approaching life. And then you talked about the different um, things you did to keep yourself going as far as income and jobs. And like you said about starting from the bottom and you're here. It was like, sound to me, your experiences coupled with what your parents taught you. It was better that your parents gave you them lessons than if they just said, hey, I got $10,000. Here you go. Because you could have squandered that 10 G's. But they gave you something that was more valuable than money. And look where you are. And I, I, I had to hit on that. And I like how you said... Speak more to, before we go to question two, about allowing yourself to be poured into because I see a lot of people that, you know, teachers that are trying to move into different roles or aspiring leaders that's been, that's been trying for a while, but are they really allowing themselves to be poured into? Because I know for me, in any, any setting I'm in, I always got to shout out Principal Kafele or Principal Salome Thomas L., who, when I was going two years trying to get an AP job, 
like that that phone call for him came back in like 2014 and here it is 2023 and about eight or nine ten cell phones later i still got that voicemail in there because through my struggles he left a voice message and poured into me even though i didn't get the job and i think that's a part of where we are in the state of education when it comes to trying to get to the next level of people in education trying to get to the next level of acting like they haven't you need to have a mindset of i haven't arrived and sometimes you gotta keep your mouth shut and just allow yourself to be poured into whether you can get what what, what person's saying or not out of 10 lessons they may teach you you might only can get with two or three of them grab a hold of them rather than just discount everything that person's trying to pour into you hey absolutely and here's here's the thing dr phillips i i think this podcast or, or this show is going to turn into be a mixtape and this and this is why right because you, you're dropping some phenomenal knowledge and, and and the keys that every person needs to be able to hold on to and to understand but i'll i'll speak for myself i'll use my eye voice the greatest thing that my parents were able to do for myself and my siblings would be the foundation. That's that's the most important thing that I believe they bestowed upon me was allowing me to stand on top of a rock solid foundation. And this is what I mean. Mom and dad, they found each other um, going going through school in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. And, and, and during that time of them you know, being in the same space, they also were able to witness and understand like, hey, what does it mean to come from humble means, right? Um, my dad, he graduated from Lemoyne Owen College, HBCU, Memphis, Tennessee. My mom, through her perseverance, she was able to acquire her undergraduate degree, which took several years because she traveled with the family as we lived overseas for several years. So not only was she overseas taking care of family, supporting my father, helping my brother and my sister, you know, become to be who they are, you know, great individuals today. Like she was also taking care of, you know, other families and teaching English, right? She was also a seamstress while she was overseas. And so that work ethic, right? The work ethic of my mother and father that had to come from somewhere that came from their parents. And you could probably see where I'm going. Where like, if we continue to build and solidify the foundation for the generation that's coming up, then like, hey, we have no choice but to win, right? You know, there's a famous rapper and he has said it the best, you know, I will not lose. And the reason why is because I come from a solid foundation. Now, having said that, you mentioned uh, something about being poured into being open to being um, um, allowed to, to, to grow. Here's the thing, the, the field of education, is a very giving field, but it's also very selfish. And this is what I mean. If I believe that I have arrived and nobody could tell me nothing, then like I'm stunting not only the growth of myself, but those that are following behind me, right? There was, um, I used to work with, um, when I was a building principal, there was an assistant principal that I worked with, you know, him and I uh, would have frequent conversations. And in those conversations, you know, we would, we would, we would jump into the word, right. We would jump into, you know, some scripture, you know, here and there, but there was something that him and I leaned into, and it was about, about the poor, quote unquote, the poor. And this is what it is. 
every day we could either be burdened by the world, we can be beat down by the world, you know, we could be smacked up by the world and all of its issues and concerns, or we could pour into others to be light, love, and the future. President Obama gave a eulogy um, not too long ago, and he spoke about um, this gentleman that was slain. He was murdered, you know, in his church. He talked about that person being um, one when when he walked into the room, it was almost as if the future walked in. Like I think that's powerful. We need to be the future for other people and and pour into others. So for me, when I was building principle, I made it a point to pick about four or five people and I made it a point to pour into them. Like, hey, how can I help you get to where you need to be, right? How can I help you with your instructional strategies, your engagement techniques? What can I do to help you understand data just a little bit better, right? Maybe there's some things that I don't know, but hey, if I don't know, I'm gonna bring you with me and we're gonna learn together. Right. So like, I mean, often and, and I can I kind of went off on a tangent, but no, you're education, good, you're good. education right now is built in silos. The only way to break down those silos, to break down those barriers and those fences is to pour into others and then be poured into ourselves. So for me, uh, Principal Kefele, he's always um, number one on my list. Also. Uh, Professor Christopher Emden, he's also phenomenal. Yeah, There's he, also that several brother, books that, that, I, that, I, that I jump into. Dr. Gordon, she's great. She has a, some some biased things, um, some literature and some work going on. I love those pieces. But also within my personal space of St. Louis, I make sure that I'm connected with some phenomenal educators to help myself grow. I know you've heard this, Dr. Phillips. Iron sharpens iron. Yes. There's a there's a former assistant principal in St. Louis. I think he said it the best. And again, he may have got it from someone or someone else. But he said this. You must use your pain to be a platform to propel you into your purpose. And so when he said that, I'm like, okay, there's there's some keys right there. We're gonna experience some pain. We're gonna experience being in rooms where we're the one and only, or we're gonna experience being at tables where they're talking about us in a disparaging way. We're going to be in spaces where negativity is going to be like um, like thick skin, right? Again, thick skin gets heavy. All these things are going to happen, but we have to use that to propel us into our purpose. And so that's something that I take uh, great pride in and trying to help people understand, like, hey, what are you here for, right? Like, yeah, you might be in this position, this role, but that doesn't have to be where you retire. This doesn't have to be where you die. Like we always have the gift of empowering others. So what is that going to look like for you? Is that going to be a podcast from Dr. Phillips? Is that going to be a book? Is that going to be some speeches, traveling, you know, teaching, leading? Like what is that going to be, right? So to, to circle back, my parents laid the foundation for the purpose that I'm living now. That's where we need to be, pouring into our purpose. Woo! Hey. Doc, bro, you you hitting it, you hitting it tonight. I I really gotta. Who? What does that look like for you? And talk about propelling us into our purpose. Who? I want to throw this question out there to you. What are your thoughts on the current state of education 
in the realm of staffing schools for the future and those currently in education? I love this question. So here's my thought. I think staffing schools right now, so at by the time this podcast goes out, we're still going to be in 2023. I think staffing schools right now cannot happen on old staffing models. I, I, and this is what I mean. Brother, say that one more time. You got to you got to you got to say that slower and you got to bring the fire with that one cuz All right. All right. Say go. that one. Here we go. Again, 2023, we're dealing with so much, right? We we just went through COVID, a pandemic, all kinds of things. We did virtual learning. We're still doing it like it's it's all over the place. Hybrid, asynchronous, synchronous, all of it. We, we, we've done it all. But see, here's the, here's the gift and the curse, Dr. Phillips. We have proven that we can teach anyone anywhere. So having said that, the vacancies that we're experiencing across the country in schools and school districts, that is a byproduct of a couple levels. One, we've proven that you don't have to be in a brick and mortar school. Two, we've also proven that, look, teachers are stressed out. Administrators are stressed out. Three, we've also seen that people are struggling with their social emotional well-being at a level that we have never seen before. It's almost like, and again, I don't have data to support this, but I'm going to say it. Okay, here we go. I think the stress that people are under now probably rival those that have been through um, conflicts in other countries, conflicts at war, conflicts domestically, conflicts internationally, like all of that conflict, all of all of the clashes of emotion, clashes of bodies, seeing people lose their life on social media on a daily basis, looking at fights on a daily basis through social media. All of those things are contributing factors to what we're seeing or not seeing in classrooms. So to circle back, we cannot staff our current buildings with old systems and old structures. And here's another example. As a, as a, as a high school assistant principal, um, you know, this was years ago. As a high school assistant principal years ago, we will have to spend weeks, almost months, building a master schedule. So at my particular high school, we had about 1,700 students about 200 plus staff, like we were big, you know, but we're not the biggest, right? But we were a decent size. And so in order for us to get the kids what they need, right? We also have to like figure out, hey, who's gonna teach this? Who's gonna teach that? We also have to look at certifications. That's another monster. And then you have to look at time frame. You know, are we sharing staff, right? Like, are there people that are on a cart? Do we have enough classrooms to service teachers and their kids? And, and in addition to that, not taking the place of, but in addition to that, how are we adequately staffed to work with our students who may be either um, uh, uh, neurodiverse or may have a special cognitive or physical disability, right? Like, how are we making sure that we're adequate, adequately staffing and supporting them? And so, like, if we're trying to do A off of B system, we're going to struggle. We're not going to make it. And I've done I've I've created plenty of schedule, but I do believe the schedules that are needed now, we have to be creative. Like there's 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 no reason why 
little Johnny can't take a class here and a class over there, almost like in, in, in a college format. Our, our kids now, like, they're geniuses. They could do this stuff with their eyes closed. So why not challenge them? Because if we don't, we won't be able to staff the classroom. We can't. Mm. We can't. And, and here, here's another piece, Dr. Phillips. I was looking at a, a stat not too long ago, and it was produced by the National Educators Association, uh, NEA. They put out uh, about a year or two ago that they have had more uh, resignations and vacancies than the number of people that were hired for the next year. So with that being said, we already see a gap. There's more folks rolling than folks coming. So think about this. If we're not putting enough gas in the tank for the miles that we're driving, what are we? We dead. Man, we dead, bro. Like, mm, we can't keep staffing schools on these old models. And uh, I'm going to go a step further. With what is coming in schools, Every year, we don't know the needs that's coming in. We don't know where people are moving from their baggage. When you're looking at those resumes and you're looking at those candidates, some things you got to throw out the window now. One, you can't be looking, oh, we need some minority candidates. But, oh, these candidates done had three jobs in four or five years or this person looks so good on paper. Like, nah, you got to throw something out the window because some things I'm seeing in schools is if you have youngster that's coming in and youngster comes from a household where grandmom and grandfather had a bad school experience and it was always combative between their household and school, then mom and dad got a, got a, a, a relationship, prior relationship with schools where it was combative. And your staff in your school where that can't none of your staff relate to the parents. It's going to always be a struggle. Like, and I'm pretty sure you've been in situations as an AP or as a leader, whereas you're always the one that got to be the one to calm down certain parents or be the ones to make those phone calls or build that relationship. And it's like, wait a minute, you need to learn about their culture, too. So that we all can, so we all can be able to where you ain't got to just wait on, uh, well, mom, um, Dr. Diggs is with, an, uh, is with, is in a classroom. Can you, can you wait for like 10 minutes so he can talk to you? Nah, you gotta, you gotta tap into what Dr. Diggs do to, to be able to have them parents eating out the palm of your hand and you be able to model that like those. And you know, and if you know your current staff can't do that and them next openings, you need to be looking for some more Mr. Diggs rather than wearing Mr. Diggs or Dr. Diggs out. And he's feeling like, man, I'm spread thin. Like that, like these kids ain't even my, in, in my class. But because I relate to this population, you pulling me down there to help out, which I don't mind. But let's be honest. Are we putting in those teachers that got them skills? Are we putting that in their paycheck? No. Like that's gotta count. That's gotta count for something. If if Dr. Diggs, the only one in this hallway that can de-escalate students that's about to fight, the only one that 
when students are having comp personality conflicts with teachers, the kids always got to be moved to Dr. Diggs' class. Come on now. Let, we're going to start paying Dr. Diggs some more money for his skill set. Hey, you know what? You, 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 you hit a couple nerves for me. Um, and, and I love it. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's another piece that, you know, I would really like for people to really understand and, and wrap their minds around is that right now the field of education is uh, a game of domino. Like that's what, that's what the, the game, the, the field of education has turned into. And I'm not talking about like, um, domino that you'll play, you know, game that you play at the picnic or whatever. I'm talking about like, we're going to stack up all these dominoes and we're going to see which one's going to tip over first and knock down the rest of them. Now, this is what I mean. If, if little Johnny, little Susie, whomever, if they've been through several different schools and they're coming to the next school, what is that next school doing to support them in that transition? Because here's the thing, I've been a transfer student. I know that's hard. So what are we doing to increase the level of communication between all of these places that maybe Johnny and Susie have been so that we could best support them when they get to this school? Now, once we get to this school, are there teachers that see them for the gifts they have instead of the challenges that they may or may not bring with them? So like that in and of itself is a big domino. Are, are, are we being able, are we abling ourselves to support them in a way that despite what you've been through, Dr. Phillips, we are gonna love you just the same? Because here's the question that I think more people should be asking themselves. Number one, Am I okay with what's happening to this child if this child was my biological child? Bam. Now, let me take it a step further. Am I okay working with or responding to this child in the way that I am responding to them if they were my biological child? We got to think about it both ways. Am mm. I doing and saying things that I wouldn't do and say to my own child? to hold them accountable and also to show love, to uplift them through whatever challenges may have been before them. And again, and I'll, I'll quote another one of my good friends in St. Louis, my brother, Dr. Fields, he says this often. He says, he has never met a child with more challenges than gifts. Ooh. Period. You will Dr. never Fields find a that. child. You will never find a child that has more challenges than gifts that has more darkness than light. It's not possible. You'll never find That's true. That's now, true. Going, back, going back to my domino analogy, if we're not being cognizant of what's going on around these young people, what's, what's going on around our teachers, you know, supporting them, if we're not ready to support all levels of the system, then we're, we're doomed to fail. And this is what I mean. Hey, Dr. Phillips, we, we need more folks of color in this space, right? We need more uh, individuals with certain skill sets and expertise and, and and ability to dive deep into our population of kids and staff. Hey, let's put out the job description. Boom. I have a diverse candidate pool, Dr. Phillips. Let's bring them on in here. But mm. Dr. Phillips, what's wrong? Why, why are we looking at things for these candidates that aren't about their aptitude, their character, and their ability to do great work? Why are we looking at them from a standpoint of, ooh, I don't think I could take leadership from, from a black woman. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why is that? 
that is layered and biased because individuals may think and perceive that, yeah, just because we have a black female leader doesn't mean that they're an angry black woman. Bam. There it is. So here go my question then. Why? Why? One, why is that happening? Two, what's wrong with you? And three, how are we going to support that sister to be successful in her space? Mm. You know what? You just wrote what you just said. You just rolled into three and four, and I'm gonna let you have the floor. How does your current work help with the teacher crisis, or you know, equity and hiring school leaders? And tell us a little bit about your work and passion, because with your current role and what you do, you you just hit on something when you talked about why are we looking at. So that that's three and four, but why are we looking at things that don't have nothing to do with what it can bring to the table? Because full disclosure, since I've been an AP and a principal, it's been times I've said, I I don't care about I don't care about how many I don't care about how many places they've been in the past five, six years. You wanna know why? Because I know in certain communities, like the black community, the Hispanic community, or even the LGBTQ community. In order to get to a certain place, they may have to move around every year or two to trend upward towards. So if they are if they are a teacher and their end goal is a principal, they know they gotta end up being like an instructional coach or a dean or something, maybe first. If that's not in their current district, they may go to a neighboring district to get that dean role or that AP role. Then they may have to transition somewhere else to get in that principal role. But then you got me looking at an applicant like, man, I'm looking for an AP, but man, she been or he been in three or four different places in the past five years. But I can clearly see that they were teacher, instructional coach, spec ed coordinator, and now they trying to be an AP. Why am I going to knock them when they actually shown that? They are stepping in the leadership arena and going outside of the box to try to get to where they're supposed to be. But I'm going to hold that against them. But I'm going to let the floor, I'm going to turn my mic off and let you go, Dr. Diggs. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Dr. Phillips, you're doing such a great job just like lighting a match and uh, and walking away. So here's, this This is my thought, and I'm going to try to weave, you know, a lot of these pieces in. The gift, the gift of the field of education and also the curse of the field of education is word of mouth. Now, the reason why I say it's a gift and a curse, meaning word of mouth, is because, you know, we, unfortunately, sometimes there are certain places where we're not going to apply or go because of the things that we've heard. And a lot of that has nothing to do with children. So if we really want to push against the word of mouth narrative, we need to take care of home base. What is it about our organization that has created this narrative where people will feel like they won't be supported? You know, we um, my, my organization dives into you know discriminatory practices and a bunch of racial bias. And you know what? We love to use the phrase best fit. So, of course, I'm not going to apply there because of what I know or what I've heard. Right. Like what what I see on paper isn't enticing or wanting me to apply because I, I may be I may be a casualty of war. I may be just there to fill your quota and then once you're done, I'm gone, right? Like I'm, I'm kicked to the side. 
by by nothing that I may have done, but it's because of the system that is built on um, just just bad practice, poor structures, right? Let's call it what it is: a little bit of a little bit of pr- privilege and maybe a topping of supremacy. Who knows, right? Like let, let's let's talk about it. And so, if we dive a little bit deeper, like when we talk about okay, making decisions, data driven conversations. If we don't tackle hard questions in regards to race and culture and the ability for all kids to succeed, if we don't talk about those things, then we're going to do what's real easy. What's real easy is to talk about poverty, family structure, where they've come from, their community, their attendance, everything that I just listed off is an easy way for a school to say, hey, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. But what I do know, again, this is Daryl Diggs talking. What I do know is that the school system was built originally to galvanize populations, help them to be great products of uh, of society, right? Great members of society, and then impact the workforce. Well, Right now, we're not doing too great of a job impacting the workforce because we're outsourcing all that work, right? So so right now, we need all of our babies to be um, influencers, to be entrepreneurs, to be coders, to be math and English, you know, aficionados. Like, we need our people to be, you know, on that other level of intellectualism, right? Right now, we are too focused on, you know, what's going to be posted on the newspaper and but it's not about that. Like we need, we need to start sparking again that creativity with all of our children, not for them or those or some of them. It's, it has to be for all of us. And so, to your question about the teacher crisis, hey, what 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 am I personally doing? So this is what I'm personally doing, and I hope folks are are hearing what I say. This when I first started teaching, and I well, when I first started looking for a teaching job. This was 16 years ago. There were platforms, websites that still look the same now as it did then. Real old, real antiquated when it goes to like finding a a job or a position. What also is a barrier is that back then I spent a whole week and a half trying to get the really nice resume paper making sure my cover letters were together, making sure my fonts and my margins were great on my resume. I was pushing things out to the edges of the paper. Well, look, we're we're using, again, going back to staffing, we're using old systems in 2023. Old systems that other fields ain't using. None of them are using. And so now we need to talk about the system that is working. And And this is what it is. And again, you know, your your followers, those that, that champion behind you, Dr. Phillips, this is how I'm impacting. And this is how my work is impacting the teacher crisis in the field of education. About three years ago, a co-founder of mine, again, Dr. Fields, him and I had an idea of, hey, what would it look like to kind of flip the narrative on its head, to create a platform to where you can quickly find jobs, right? Quickly find where what's vacant, You can do it from the access and ease of your phone or web browser, right? And in the midst of you finding a job, you can give an amazing first impression. That could be video, that could be audio. You can knock out some screener questions 
You can actually like be yourself and you can do all of this in less than like 15, 20 minutes. And then instantly, every, what you have created is immediately accessed by those that are looking for you to fill their positions. So let's say that you're an employer. The same site that we created gives employers the ability to become recruiters. Hey, I have such and such job. I need to find these individuals. Hey, I'm gonna jump on EDU openings. I found Dr. Gerard Phillips. Hey, I saw his video. I see his little profile. Awesome. Hey, let's have a connection. We can message each other very quickly right there. Now, in addition to that, the platform that we built that's called EDU Openings, we're able to take those jobs that are being posted. We put them on social media. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, like all of that. Like we put it all over the place. Because here's the thing, what's also missing in the job market is exposure. There's no exposure, right? We need to meet the people wherever they are. Where they are is in an age that is supremely advanced. Right now, Dr. Phillips, all of us have a supercomputer in our pocket. All of us. That supercomputer in your pocket can probably launch a rocket to, to the moon and back. Now, in addition to that, the EDU Openings platform also gives us the ability to, again, just have deep conversations, be really intentional about hiring and, and recruitment. But in addition to that, like it's it's easy to find a job and apply and show your interest. Yeah, I mentioned 15, 20 minutes, create a profile. All it takes is seconds to show your interest for a job. You'll get notifications all day long. Now, this is what's different about our platform versus the Indeeds or the LinkedIn's. Family, what makes our platform different is that number one, we are very diverse, very diverse. And number two, we are the only education-specific platform that's driven for jobs. We're the only one. So then, so then you're probably thinking, well, Diggs, are there some testimonies you know that 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 can talk about the impact? Well, thank you for asking. I have. There are two ladies that used our platform that were relocating from wherever they were to St. Louis. They were able to apply on EDU openings, get that job before they came and relocated to Missouri. Man, if that, that that's powerful. Didn't have to do I didn't have to all that back and forth on Zoom, trying to catch a flight. No man, that's powerful right there. And and that's the thing. So, you know, when it when it comes to what what wakes me up and gets me going every day, it's the ability to one create space, have impact, and and disrupt old systems. Like, like there's there's no reason why we're doing things the way we've been doing, thinking that we're going to get great results because we're not. We're not. Hey, y'all, I don't even want to touch it. I, Dr. Diggs, talk to your man, Dr. Fields. I want to get both of y'all on because I heard him speak at NESP. Uh, I think it was not this past year, but the year before it was in Chicago. That brother is on fire. The fact that stuff y'all are doing, oh my God, like keep up the great work. And 
we're going to just magnify the things that you guys are doing because y'all are personally attacking the issue of staffing and making sure that our babies have the best people in front of them and the people that want to be there. Because if they're coming from somewhere and they know St. Louis is where I'm going, that's what they want to be. They ain't just like nilly willy. Oh, I got out of college and this is the only place I have a job. Let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a roommate for two, three years so I can get back home. Like the, that is geared straight for jobs. That's powerful, and that is coming from y'all. Like keep up the great work. Um, we we got to come back on. We got to come back on. Any any parting words, Doctor Diggs? Any parting words? Man, I appreciate it. And again, thank you for, uh, you know, this opportunity. I think the greatest gift that we can give anyone is is time. So thank you for giving me your time uh, for allowing me just to speak on some things that have been on my heart. So thank you for that. Also to your listeners, you know, if, if you are listening to this, listeners, you all are leaders of leaders. So whatever that looks like for you, there is no excuse for us to, to not be impactful. So do your thing, be great, do great things, you know, uh, check us out, EDU openings. Also check out the Squad Builder podcast. You're like, like this is the place to be, you know, to, to be able to, you know, activate each other's gifts, to, to, to motivate the next generation by sparking the growth in this current moment. That's what we need to do. And to be a part of this opportunity, you know, with you, Dr. Phillips has been, uh, has been a gift. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Until next time to my activators. Activate, motivate, and squad up. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.